yeah, you could do it. I look down once in a while. Yeah, well, have you ever gone fishing? Okay. What do you do when you fish? You sit in a boat or you sit on the pier or someplace and you drop a line down. I know those fish are swimming around down there and they, they see your uh, dough balls or whatever you're using for bait or, uh, or uh, ripe clams or something you're using, right? And what do they do? They come over, they see something there. Now, the fish is, is uh, motivated by two things. One, hunger. But only one, that's only part of it. He's motivated by curiosity. And that gets him more than anything else. You don't think for one minute you know, hitting a, uh, a bassarino, which has seven silver propellers on it, has a red uh, head on it and a chromium belly, and has, uh, you know, has a white back with the silver scales on it, is being motivated by hunger. I look out of the window here from time to time. You know, we're 24 stories above the street here. And uh, from that area, from that angle, and from that height, uh, human beings look like so many uh, ants coming to a picnic. You know, they, you cannot make out the individual human being. And, uh, and for that reason, you can do stuff you wouldn't ordinarily do. Uh, for example, if you, if you could make out each individual fish... And you could see the expression on one fish, you know, and you say, oh, look at that one. He worries a lot. Or, uh, oh, look at that one. He's, he's obviously a very sincere fish. You would feel rotten about catching him, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so it's good that you're up there on top of the water, seeing they're down at the bottom. You don't see them. Well, uh, I, I, from time to time, have, have had a thought, you know, it would be kind of great to take a, um, uh, I'd say about uh, a six-and-a-half-foot uh, uh, fiberglass uh, spinning rod would do it. I'd say for your average human being, your average size human being, I'd say I could handle pretty good with a 20-pound test line. And uh, I'd like to just drop a line down here and uh, do a little fishing here uh, right off of the 24th story. You know, just drop it down and uh, I'd bait it with a Big Mac or something, see, and, <laughs> and see how long it would take. To see how, how well they're biting, you know, and you get you get a bite. Oh, I got a bite down here because you can't see, you see individual human beings in this uh, this height here. You just see you know the crowd down there, down on Broadway, and you, you get a nibble. See for hey, they're nibbling, and I could call us, you know, I could get Stan Lomax and the whole crowd up here. We could, uh, you know, do just what everybody is when they fish. We drink beer and all that. I don't know what would happen if I ever landed one, <laughs> flopping and fighting. I'd have to get a gaff hook and a whole bit. Well, that reminds me of the time. I'll tell you, the time, uh, I don't, uh, this is a, somewhat of a sickening story, so if you are a person of great sensibility, I would suggest that you do not, uh, please do not subject yourself to this. We're doing this as a public uh, disclaimer. The following program does not represent the views of any known human being that's involved with this radio station here. It, it just comes out of the air, let's put it that way, you know. It's like nobody creates inflation, it just is there, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, go on down the dial. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go on, get down there. Get down there. They're playing, uh, go on, they're, they're having a salute there to the best of Montevani, just to the left of us. That'll make you sick enough. But uh, <laughs> you get down there. They're, a salute to Julie Andrews is on the right. And seven totally incomprehensible acne rock stations. I mean, growing like crab weed. Have you ever thought of uh, acne rock stations as the crab grass of the radio world? That's right. I mean, you just can't kill them. <laughs> totally useless, but, uh, you know. But uh, nevertheless, uh, one day 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here 24th floor. See, when you live, when your office, or wherever you are, I spend a lot of your time high up over the human population, uh, human beings, you tend to get a different view of them as if, you know, if you work down on the street, uh, you know, selling pretzels or something like that. And you, you look down and you see this whole mass of humanity down there. And uh, one day, I mean, you wonder what they're doing. See, sometimes you watch them, they eddy and swirl. You know, you, you see them moving like, like, uh, like fleas down there. And uh, they seem to go to different places. They move back and forth. And uh, with no direction at all, but they 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 they, they have a certain uh, manic animal direction, just uh, you know intensity. It's like a shrew. Have you ever seen a shrew? I mean, I know you dated a few, but I'm talking about a real shrew. I, I'm talking to kind of with the teeth, you know. Have you ever seen a real shrew? What a mean little animal! You haven't seen one? You really haven't, huh? Well, one time you uh, the first time you see a shrew, you you will be uh, aware <laughs> that. But motivation is far more important than physical size or uh, even ability. No, no, really. I mean, you, you, I know a lot of guys that are six feet seven that, I mean, would, uh, would uh, shrink, I mean, uh, to maybe three feet two if you suggested they play one minute of uh, tight end for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're big guys. You, well, so what is it? What, what are they like? Well... They, motivation, that's, that's all. It's a, just no drive. Uh, and, and uh, of course, motivation is often uh, another word for f- you're scared. Uh, see that? <laughs> you know, that really, that's basically. But a, sh- a shrew will teach you instantly, friends, that motivation is all. Physical power is not that important. In fact, uh, a shrew uh, is about the size of a mouse. You know, a little mouse. Now you're not going to get scared of a mouse. I mean, you, you. Uh, I mean, maybe you will. I mean, but that's your own hang-up, your problem. But uh, a normal, ordinary human being is not going to get it. Kids have little mice, right, for pets. Well, all right. This shrew's about that size. No way you're going to have a shrew for a pet. A shrew, uh, milli ounce for milli ounce, is undoubtedly the toughest animal on the face of the globe. That's a truth. That's a fact. I, I, I mean, I saw, well, I'll tell you how I happen to know this. I saw a guy one time, a friend of mine, he, he to this day does not know how it happened, but um, he was uh, cleaning out a chest of drawers. Now, shrews don't live in houses, you know. They really don't. They, they uh, look, look up a shrew in, in your dictionary out there. There's always a picture of one. And it looks like a mouse, a little bit like a mouse, but it's got a long, thin nose. And it's got a little short tail, kind of a little stubby tail, and it's vaguely mouse-colored. It looks really like a mouse. So uh, this friend of mine was, uh, was uh, cleaning out this chest of drawers, see. Well, he's, uh, he's working away there. He's, uh, he's going to move, so he's taking the stuff out. And all of a sudden, he sees this thing jump out of the, out of the shadows. It just ah, it jumps out. So he, whoa, he leaps back. He figured his old buddy, Clarence, was, uh, you know, putting... Uh, Sneezing powder and all that stuff. He had, you know, there's always that type of friend you got. So he, this thing jumps out. He, oh, oh, oh! He jumps back. And he says, "Oh, look, a mouse!" And uh, at that point, he figures it's just a mouse. He says, "Oh, look, a mouse!" So at that point, he reaches in to the chest of drawers, and his little mouse just flies right up off the ground. He just goes, he flies up and grabs him about, right about the knuckle, about the knuckle bone. See, he flicks it. 
the mouse or the, the, the shrew hits the ground, bounces up again, and gets him a glancing blow at the ball of the thumb as it's falling. It just chopped him like that. Well, he fought that shrew who weighed about really about I'd say about I would say weighed about as much as a, a slice, a very thin slice of American cheese. That shrew fought him for about 25 minutes. <laughs> I mean, he finally took the whole drawer out. He gave up. You know, he was gonna he was gonna take a a, a, a tobacco can or something to put it over him. Forget it. The shrew bit a hole in the tobacco can. You know, and then and so he finally got so scared of it. He was really scared of this thing. He took the thing and he just walked out to the yard with it. See, and he dumped it on the yard. At that point, the shrew attacked him. I mean, you don't think the shrew said, thanks for letting me go. No way. Chased him up the front porch. The guy ran in the house, slammed the door, and as far as he knows, the shrew is still out there waiting for him. He left by the back door. I mean, you know, just like... <laughs> so don't mess with shrews, friends. And uh, before... Oh, no, especially the kind you date. This is W.O.R., New York, buddy. Hit the money button. Yeah, that's it. Keep it open for me all the time, at all times, friends. Because I sing along with you sing. Someday you'll moan. Someday you'll moan. Sooner or later, you'll own general. Yes, it is inevitable, buddy. And now, through the 26th of July, you can get two of General Tire's great radial tires at low sale prices. That's before the 26th. Now, through the 26th, you get the 40,000-mile dual steel 2 radio for 25% off the regular price. So get down there and find out about it. Also, they're having a sale on the Sprint Jet. Wow. I mean, ooh, that's with the gold letters on the side. So you can see it at Cole General Tire, 362 Summit Avenue, in colorful Jersey City. And sing it out. Okay, all right, okay. We'll hold these off for a while. Very, It's kind of uh, cool today with the commercials. Hey, you know... Uh, Oh, you want to hear what happened? I'm sitting here one day. We had this office. It's 24 stories high. And uh, you look right out. And, uh, and you, can, you can see you, see you have the windows, the fantastic windows all around the building here. And uh, I, I can look right out of my office. There's a big, big glass window that's sealed, theoretically. See, and I can look right out of the, out of the office at the Empire State Building. Look right at it. See, there it is. I mean, it's just like uh, like one of these corny posters. You know, guys are always dreaming. You are, you know, some rabbit hash Kentucky or someplace like that, and he gets transferred to the big office in New York, and uh, he always has this uh, imaginative dream that he's going to have this office, and he's going to look out over the vast city. You know, you always see that in the movies, see. But what most guys have of an air shaft and about every 30 seconds a couple of sailing on their way down <laughs> isn't that the truth I mean if he has a window at all see but uh, anyway this window happens to be just exactly like a calendar you look out you google bird and I said hey John you got a kook call in there and uh, John says <laughs> he sticks his head out and he says shh they'll hear you and I said uh I says, well, I got a cool call on my phone. 
And uh, he says, well, wait a minute, I'll take care of that. So he runs into my phone and picks it up. He sees it's on the desk. And he says, hello, hello. And at that point, I, I, he gets no answer, of course, obviously, because it's now connected to his phone. So at that point, I turn around and I said, wait a minute, John. I says, hold, keep him on the line. He says, shh, there's nobody here. Hello, hello. At that point, I run around into his office and I say, hello, Long John. Hello, John. And he says, hello, hello. Well, I kept that up for about three minutes. See? <laughs> John kept running back and forth. So uh, I just let you know that this is the kind of stuff that goes on in a serious office. However, one day, oh, listen, that's even worse. Do you know I went to a to a to one of the biggest executives in all of New York? I mean, he, you know, he's he's so big that he's not even listed on the corporate earnings lists. He has an unlisted number on the board of directors. He's so big, you know. The, the, the owner of the company can't even get this guy on the phone. He's that big. I mean, fantastic. And, and he's, he's living in this big office. It's high up in, in the Rockefeller Center. It's about 90 stories above the ground. And I am summoned to an audience. A person like that, you do not have an appointment with him. One has an audience. And, uh, yes, it has to be arranged through, uh, what well, you have to arrange it through the Vatican. A lot of other places have to get in on the act. And finally... I had this meeting with this guy. It's an audience, really, and you have to back in. He has a whole set of regulations. The girls out in front tell you that he doesn't like people to come in in an upright position. That does not show respect. I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, you have your choice, either a backing in semi-stoop or you come in uh, in, in a curtsy style. I said, curtsy style? I said, yeah, I thought women did that. He said, he likes everybody to curtsy. He doesn't like the sex discrimination. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at that point, <laughs> I, I, you know, not having on a tutu that day, and you can't curtsy too well in one of these Barney suits, see, so I, uh, I decided to come in backwards in a semi-stoop position, the way you'd approach the King of Siam in an earlier age. So I came in, see, and as I come in backwards, I hear this pop behind me, see, pop, I hear it like that again, pop. And finally, I realized, you know, I've been there about maybe 10 seconds. It's time to turn around. Tugging my fetlock, or is it your forelock? What do you tug? You tug a fetlock? Or, no, a fetlock is something that a horse has trouble with, right? Anyway, I came in, I came in tugging my forelock, see? Uh, you know, begging, begging your pardon, sir, you know, and all that stuff. And he looks up from his desk where he is squatting. Uh, he has this enormous desk, fantastic uh, desk that is carved out. It's a desk that's about 18 feet across, see, and it's about 12 feet deep. And it's uh, roughly sh shaped like uh, the map of South America, roughly. It's a magnificent thing. It's carved out of, uh, out of, a, out of a single solid ruby. Here's this desk carved out. It's the largest ruby in the world. He's got it carved out. Drawers and everything are ruby. You just pull them out. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So, and he wears this gold lame dressing gown in his office. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, uh, he has a box of cigarettes on the on the uh, thing there. Where he offers you cigarettes, they have actual hand carved ivory tips as free cigarettes. He gives you, you know. See, he gets them from Zambia or someplace like that. So uh, I came. Oh, it's a very elegant man. So I came in there, and here he is squatting down behind his desk, and he says, "Hey," he says, uh, "Hold on a minute." He says, "Wait," and then he goes, "Bop," and I look and I see what he's doing. He has a BB gun, and he's shooting this BB gun. He has got a target, which he has set up. Uh, it's l the other end of the room, he has an office roughly the size of, oh, I'd say, uh, 
runway uh, 22R at uh, <laughs> out of JFK. See, he's got an office man. I'll tell you. In fact, his office was so long, so tremendous that at the other end of the office, there were reports coming back that it was raining. And uh, so we didn't get out of that other end. But he had he had the uh, target set up, see, and he's shooting uh, an electrical target. You plug it into the office uh, plug there in the side there, and little things go up and down, like a little vice president goes past. And, uh, yeah, that, it's it's an office shooting go. You don't think that a guy like him, the guy like that is going to shoot pigeons, for God's sakes. You're kidding, you know? Little cardboard goats and stuff. He had little, yeah, little people went by. Little VP would go by, you know, and the guy carrying a memo, wham, he shoots him, see. And he's got, he's got his BB gun. So he says, hey, you want to try it? Well, yeah, I, I, you don't turn down. Uh, if, if you go in, you're having an audience with the Pope, and he's messing around with a beach ball, you know, and bouncing it up and down, and he says, you'd like to try? Uh, of course, and you do some things with your beach ball. So I said to him, well, fine, sir. I said, I'd love to try a few shots. And so he says, oh, uh, you know, he starts to hand me, I go, oh, no, he says, there's yours over there. So there, here's another gun. Yes, yes. A coffee table carved out of an opal. So I pick it up, and uh, yeah, there it is. It's a it's a regular BB gun. You you know the kind with it. So uh, uh, yeah, and so I I just I an old BB gun man myself. See, so I just flicked the thing. And so we sat there. We're shooting away at the vice presidents, and it's electrically operated. It goes, the little wheel goes by. Pop, you know, I hit one. It goes ding 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 like that. And he's cackling and laughing away there. Well, all of a sudden, uh, after about 20 minutes of this, the buzzer goes off. He's got this uh, beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's carved out of mother of pearl. It's fantastic. And uh, it's an intercom comes out and goes like that. And he presses a button. He says, yeah. And, uh, you know, we say, yeah. She says, uh, she says, uh, that meant my time was up. He turns and he says, uh, well, uh, thank you very much. He says, uh, give me a call sometime. So I get up and I tug at my fet lock or my forelock and I go scuffling out backwards, see, bowing as I went. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I bowed and scraped as I left the girl. And it wasn't until I was halfway down the elevator that I realized that we had not said anything to each other. Not only that, I still had his BB gun. Yeah, well, I, I kept it as a souvenir. You know, I pop it at vice presidents around here once in a while. You know, <laughs> they don't know what gets them. You know, when they go past, especially in the mating season, I like to get them. They, you know, because then they come out, you know, at night to feed and all that. Would you hit the button, please? Please. Bye. In New York, to no man's clothing, you've got to know your bees. No city in this nation corresponds. No matter who the man you are, you'll find one sure to please. Brooks Brothers, Barney's, or Bonds. Brooks Brothers is to fashion what ivy is to halls. Tradition, the finest ever donned. Barney's is the wonder that makes New York, New York. With selections from here to far beyond. Bonds is the one located near almost any place you live. A convenience of which everyone is fond. In New York to no men's clothing, you've got to know your bees. No city in this nation corresponds. No matter who the man you are, you'll find one sure to please. Brooks, brothers, parties, or bonds. Oh, wasn't that exciting? Bonds has 21 great stores in the greater metropolitan area. Shop at Bonds. It's where you live.
That'd be sad if you lived in bonds. It really would. Down there in the tie department, they'd come and they'd bring your meals in. You know, and you'd have a little color TV set down there. And Well, I, <laughs> well, I, I didn't invent this thing. I don't make the news. I'm going to report it here. All right, uh, gang. Uh, we have another commercial here, and it's for the Blue Ribbon. And uh, it's a great uh, German restaurant here in New York City. Well, it's, it's, let's put it this way. It's a, it's a Middle Europa restaurant, which means uh, Austrian food. Uh, that's very different, incidentally, from German in some ways. Austrian, German, uh, Middle European. And it's really elegant. Uh, fine wine list. They have uh, tap German fresh wines and uh, tap beers. Uh, uh, they have all kinds of great food. But one thing that I like particularly at this time of the year, they have probably the best and most complete summer menu in town. Uh, what is a summer menu? Well, things like uh, cold, smoky, uh, smoked uh, rainbow trout, for example, uh, uh, smoked salmon, little goodies like that. But uh, anyway, the Blue Ribbon is located at 145 West 44th Street. All their seafood is fresh, no frozen at any point. They make all their own bakery goods, uh, breads, brown breads, uh, dark broth, all that great stuff is made right there. And it's reasonably priced. You'll be astounded. 145 West 44, the Blue Ribbon. They're open every day for lunch, for dinner, and they're open after the theater. And they're right in the theater district. They're open till midnight. One more. Fly Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico to Mexico soon. Aeromexico, Aeromexico. Aeromexico, the airline that takes you to Mexico City and on to Acapulco on El Grande, our wide-body DC-10. Aeromexico, Aeromexico. Aeromexico is the only airline to offer you first-run movies as well as stereophonic music on your flight down to Mexico City. And to make your trip even better, Aeromexico has over a thousand Aeromexico quality-approved tours to Mexico. There's bound to be one just for you. See your travel agent or call Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico, and fly with us soon. I don't know why I'm telling you this silly story about me and John. <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't intend to do it. but uh, Actually, you know, when, uh, I suspect that this, uh, this confirms many women's, uh, many, many lady and women type uh, mythology. You know, there's a mythology among many women. Uh, it is largely myth that uh, that the you know the guy that leaves every day he leaves the home uh, leaves the house and he's coming to work and uh, she always thinks secretly that he's going off to have this great time you know he he goes there it's all fun and games down at the office whereas she has this rotten scene you know <laughs> such a bad life just to just to do all this television watching you know spend hours watching uh, General Hospital all afternoon and. And, uh, you know, so, so the mythology, of course, holds that uh, work is fun and games. I'd say for at least 99.99998% uh, of the male population, work is anything but fun and games. It is an unbelievable drag, <laughs> I mean, that is fraught with dangers. If you think Jaws is dangerous, I mean, that, that damn shark, all you got to do is shoot it. 
Well, uh, uh, let me tell you this. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever attended a, a reasonably uh, malevolent sales meeting. If you want to see some dangers and sharks, wow, they don't even come dressed like that shark, you know. <laughs> and uh, what's worse, you shoot one and he's replaced by ten more. Absolutely. I mean, any guy can tell you about that. However, uh, <laughs> so, you know, don't get the idea that uh, John and I sit here and make these wild phone calls back and forth. Another thing that happened, too, one day, I I'm sitting there in my office, see, again, I'm looking out, and uh, on one hand is, is, uh, is John. See, he's, uh, he's at the uh, next office, which is, uh, you know, right next to me with a partition and all. And on the other side of the office there, uh, I'm, let's say on my left, see, in the next office, is uh, Arlene Francis, right? Okay, so here we are, these three heavies all lined up there, see? So uh, it just so happened that on this day that the, that the girl that works with Arlene is named Jean Bach. She's in the next office, see? So we're all three in the office, and it's a beautiful summer day, and the windows are open. And I'm looking out, and I'm looking right at the Empire State Building. Well, I don't know why I did it. Uh, it, uh, it. It seemed right at the time. In fact, uh, to this day, I say it was going on. I think there's been some hanky-panky. I looked out, see, and I'm looking at the Empire State Building. I couldn't believe what I see. I said to, uh, I said to Lee, who was in the office, to, you know, Lee Brown, she looks out, see, and I said, Lee, look at the Empire State Building. And she looks out. She says, what about it? I said, what do you mean, what about it? It's leaning. She says, what? I says, the Empire State Building's leaning. Look at it. It's distinctly leaning. She says, well, she says, it does look like it is leaning. I says, well, that's fantastic. At that point, I dialed, I dialed Long John's number. I said, hey, John. And he says, yeah, what do you want? I says, John, I says, just take a look at your window over there and tell me what you see. And John looks out of the window, and he says, Why, nothing. I said, What do you mean? The sky. I see, you know, the building's out there. I says, John, look at the Empire State Building. I said, Wait a minute. I said, Look at it carefully, John. He says, Well, that uh, building appears to be leaning. I says, Yes, John, that is true. I, I'm glad you said that. I thought I was going crazy in there. Of course, for years, the sales department has said, you know, that's happening up there on the 24th floor at all times. I said, uh, I'm going to check with Bach. You know, that's a, she, there's a lady. She's the only woman I've ever known who can be on the 24th floor and still have her feet on the ground. She's fantastic. So I, I dial her number. She says, hello. And I said, Gene, would you look out the window there, please? She says, what, what, what for? I'm busy. It's always busy. See, I don't know what they, they're always doing in there. You know, I think there's a lot of crocheting goes on or something. So I, I said, well, look out the window. You're busy looking out the window right now, right? I'm just asking you. She says, uh, what do you want? I says, look out the window. Have you ever had people, you get on the phone, they can't, they, they can't focus their head? I says, what do I want? Look out of the window. It's right in front of you. That's in the window. See, it's right past the door there. You look out the window. What do you see? Oh. Uh, look out the window. All right. Uh, is there somebody committing suicide or something? I said, no, Gene, look out. Hmm. What do you want me to look at? I says, the Empire State Building. Oh, it's leaning. I says, that's right, baby, it is leaning. So the three of us watched the Empire State Building. I says, I says, Gene, you know, 
what's going to happen here? I says, you know, this is going to be one hell of a story, and we're going to have the scoop. I, I'm sitting here watching it. I'll bet WINS, they're all sealed in. They don't see anything. CBS will take three weeks before it reaches CBS. We're looking at it. That's one good thing about these rotten, crummy old officers. We're right here in the you know, middle city. See, I says, look at it. It's going to fall. And, and, you know, the wind is blowing. It was kind of a windy day, see, and it really did look like it. And I says, I said, John, I'm on the phone now. I says, hey, John, if, if the Empire State Building falls, uh, the way it looks, the way the wind's blowing, it looks like it's going to go down across Queens. I said, John, that's going to be one. I, it's like look at Alexander's over there. And, <laughs> and John says, you know, he says, that looks great. He says, that's a fantastic sight. I, I, and so we kept watching this thing, and uh, we were really fascinated. It really looked like it was leaning. Well, at that point, uh, somebody came in the in one of the three offices, seen stuck their head in. There was a, a some, you know, just some official type of salesman or something coming in. What What are you doing? I says, uh, well, you know, it's, look out the window there. The Empire State Building's leaning. He says, what? I says, the Empire State Building's leaning. Look at it. He took one look. Says, oh my God. He turns and runs out. Now, wait a minute. Now, just a minute now. The story is not over yet. He turns and runs out. So at that point, John hollers, and he says, what's the matter with him? I says, well, he's nervous, you know, seven martinis for the lunch and all that stuff, and he just lost the Ryan Gold beer account, and, the, you know, he's pretty jumpy. And he says, well, wow. So at that point, we're just sitting there casually, say, looking out of the window, watching the Empire step on It looked like it was going to fall any minute now. It looked like one more breath of air, and that was going down. Well, suddenly we hear, coming from down below us, see, we hear all these sirens. You know, it's drifting in the wind. Woo, woo, you can hear it, you know, drifting up here, you know. Woo, woo, woo. John says, I wonder what's going on. I said, I don't know, John. Woo, you can hear about coming from about 34 different directions. See, I stick my head out the window, and I can see flashing lights. Woo, woo, and they're all heading down 34th Street. I said, John, they're all going... The report has gotten out that the Empire State Building is collapsing. That idiotic salesman rushed down, frantic, you know, sweating from all pores, and he sits in there and he tells his secretary, she got scared, call the police, and the next thing you know, I said, John, we better keep this quiet. This story, by the way, has never gotten out. For, for those of you, it wound up even in the daily news. It says a report today was unconfirmed that the Empire State Building was leaning between 3 and 5 o'clock. <laughs> you know where it came from. Well, yeah, that's right. It, it, it's, I don't know. I, what I think is it really was leaning. And I think somebody jacked it up now on the other side. Now it's okay, see. I, I think it was leaning there for a while. Well, I, I, you know, it's a mysterious life. Well, so one more thing. I'll tell you another thing that happened in the office. If you like to know how life is on the 24th floor overlooking Manhattan. See, we overlooked the garment district, remember. And... Uh, you know, down below us on one side, you can 7th Avenue. We're right here by, by Times Square. You look out of one window, you can see Times Square down there festering. If you have your, you know, powerful enough binoculars, you can actually watch pornies being filmed down there. You know, they film on the roofs down there, and while the film is still wet, they run them down and put them into these machines, you know, and have a new, big, uncut show. So, uh, anyway, the whole scene is going on down there one day, and it's the uh, middle of the afternoon. And uh, for some reason or other, I'll, and I'll never know why, somebody suddenly knocks on the door. Uh, the little doors are open, see, and somebody knocks on the door and says, uh, I'm making a delivery. And I turn around, 
And this guy's got a tray. He's got a great big tray. Yeah, a tremendous tray. It's about, it's about uh, oh, it's about four feet around. It's a great big round tray. And I said, making a delivery, what do you mean? Delivery of what? He says, I don't know nothing. He said, is this the 24th floor talent office? And I said, yes, it is. He's getting bugged right away. You don't ask a delivery guy in New York any questions. And I said, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean? Yeah, this is the 24th floor talent office. What are you looking for? I said, talent office. i got to deliver this. You want to sign? I said, I want to sign. What do you mean? Sign for what? He signed for this. I ain't got all day, buddy. And he's got this great big tray. So he's all, I, I go walking over there, and at that point... He, he, he sees John in his office. He realizes immediately that I'm not going to be an easy pushover for sign and say, I don't want to sign for, you know, so who knows, you know. The whole building blows up. They say, well, Shepard signed for the bomb. There it is, you know. So at that point, uh, I, I'm looking at the guy, and he turns around, and he, he looks into John. See, and John is sitting there, see, with his window open, looking casual and cool, you know, and he's on the phone with somebody. And, uh, and the guy hollers into him and says, Hey, buddy, you're going to sign for this? Or I'm going to take all day. I'm going to take it back. And John looks up and says, My good man, sign for what? And he says, Sign for this, the delivery. And John, you know, John's a guy that always is a pragmatist. He, he, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he, he'll just go with the scene, whatever it is. So at that point, John says, I'll bring it in here. John says, Bring it in, and I'll sign for it. John has a sort of courtly way. See, bring it in, and I'll be glad to sign for it. And the guy comes rushing into the office in a hurry, see? And John gets the phone. He puts the phone down. He, he turns around. Just as he turns around, he stands up. Well, the guy shoves the tray. At that point, John hits the tray from the bottom, and all the stuff that's on the tray just goes right out the window. The tray was a big four-foot tray, tremendous tray. Nobody to this day knows where they came from or why we got them was a giant tray of fresh, hot potato knishes. And an entire tray of potato knishes went right down, and, and John says, oh, great Scott, and he looks down, I look out the window, and you can see this great cloud of knishes. You can see them going down and spreading out. It was a cloud of potato knishes. Uh, drifting down. It was a beautiful sight, see? And, and you can see it. They're going down towards the crowd down below us. And the crowd is eddying around down there. And, and the knishes, of course, is the, as the, there must have been about, uh, oh, I'd say probably 50 knishes. You know what a knish is? You know what a potato knish looks like? Well, there must have been at least 50 hot, fresh potato knishes came drifting down 24 stories. And as they drifted, the cloud opened up, see? In other words, it was covering about a half a block. The wind caught him, see? And you could see these people running around down there, and the knishes are flying down. And I said, oh, my God, John, put your head back in, see? That has gone into legend, friends. There are some people who came home from work that day and said to their wife, Emily, Emily, you'll never guess what happened today on 7th Avenue. It rained knishes. It was raining knishes. They were coming down. And she said, now, come on, stop it, Jake. You know that that's ridiculous. No, they came right down, Canisius. She said, I thought you were giving up drinking. Well, I'll tell you, he's right, Emily. It did rain, Canisius. And in, in fact, that went into 7th Avenue Garment District lore, legend. You know how you always hear these legends about the time it rained frogs or fishes in some places? Some other places, they say hailstones the size of... Uh, 
ABA basketballs came down one day, and it's always a legend. You know, you never, you were never there. You never saw it happen. Well, there is a legend on Seventh Avenue that one day, just out of the blue, it rained knishes, and it did. I saw him, and I was there. Thank you very much. This is the way legends are born. The unspoken. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a a, a, a bit of a, a trivia quiz here today. Uh, no, I better. All right, I will. An airplane within the last five years flew over New York, dropping. Food stuff. What did it drop? And by the way, it got, it, yeah, they were dropping samples. And what happened? You don't remember? Uh, you don't know. Yeah, that's true history. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.